Well, today we're going to continue. Uh, actually, we're not going to continue. Today we're going to start something new. Actually, we're not going to really start something new. This is going to be like a standalone sermon today. You know, sometimes I do series and sometimes I have like in between series. This one's going to be a, a standalone message today. Uh, kind of spawned out of or kind of birthed out of some conversations uh, that took place this past week. Um, Sometimes I love social media. Most times I don't. Um, And the reason I don't like social media is because social media has a tendency to allow us just to throw up anything we want to throw up. Uh, And we just kind of feel like we can do that and, and, and have no repercussions. Uh, when you're standing in front of someone having a conversation with someone, um, most of the time we have some certain level of control, at least most of us do. <laughs> Not everybody. Um, that's another story. Um, but, but it seems like with social media at times we can just really uh, kind of uh, just throw things out there without any uh, uh, without any accountability at all. And so uh, just the conversation that I had this last week on social media kind of spawned me thinking about the topic uh, that I want to talk about today and the passage of Scripture. The passage of Scripture that we're going to be looking at today is found in Luke chapter 4. And uh, what I'm going to talk about today is really the mission of the church or uh, what it looks like as followers of Jesus Christ, to be a part of what I would say is turning the world upside down. Because in a sense, that's what we're called to do. A lot of things that we as followers of Jesus Christ, a lot of things that we study in Scripture, a lot of things that we profess, proclaim, and try to live, at times seem counter to culture, doesn't it? Um, and so, in a sense, our mission as the body of Christ, our mission as the church, is to turn the world upside down. And so I want to talk about that just for a few minutes today. Uh, I want to talk about are we true to the mission of Jesus Christ and what he has called us to. And so I want you to look at Luke chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 14 through 21, and you're going to put it up on the screen here. But starting with verse 14 and reading through verse 21 of Luke, now this is Jesus, he has returned, he has returned to his hometown, all right? He is in his hometown, he's at a synagogue in Nazareth, and he's about to use a passage or uh, a section of Isaiah's prophecy, uh, and in this, he's going to use it, and he's going to share the initial mission statement of the world, of the church, to the lost. And so he begins, and he says this. He says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. Go ahead to the next one. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, 
And he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it was written. Keep going. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You go on one more. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him and he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. You see, we as the church, we are the body of Christ. Amen? We as the church, we are the bride of Christ. We have been called to represent Christ in the world that we live in. And since the church is the body of Christ, the question that I want to ask us today is, are we true to his mission? Are we turning the world upside down for Christ? And so, if I'm going to ask that question, then what I need to do for you today is I need to give you an understanding of how it is that we determine whether we are on mission or not, whether we are actually turning the world upside down for Jesus Christ, and what that looks like in our lives individually. And so what I want to do today, oftentimes, oftentimes when organizations or businesses will have a mission statement, they will have a mission statement, and then they will have a set of criteria determining whether they're actually living out the mission or not. They'll have a, a criteria for whether the mission statement is actually effective or not. And so today, what I want you to do is I want you to just listen to me for the next few minutes. I just want to gauge with you for a few minutes, and I want to talk to you about the standard by which we can assess the effectiveness of our life and work as the people of God. Amen? So God, I ask you right now that you just give me the words that you would speak through me right now. As I share here, Lord, I pray not my words be spoken, but yours be spoken. Lord, I pray that what comes out today will be heard through your heart in our lives. And Lord, that we will respond effectively to what it is that you say to us today. I pray this in your most precious name, and everybody says, Amen. Amen. So I think there are four things. There are four, there are four things that we can assess the effectiveness of our life and work as people of God. The first is this, and this is the first thing that I want to talk about, is that whether we live in the power 
of the Holy Spirit or not. Our effectiveness is going to determine on whether we allow the power of the Holy Spirit to flow through us and we live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? You see, here at the Church of God, Lifebrook Church, this building, we actually believe that the work of the Holy Spirit takes place. Amen? Amen? That when we do in the name of Jesus Christ, when we operate in the name of Jesus Christ, when we are obedient to Jesus Christ, when Christ ascended to heaven after the resurrection, he said, I must go not because I got to get away from you people because you're driving me nuts, right? That's not what he said, right? He didn't say that, right? <laughs> Some of you guys are like, uh, well, maybe he did. I don't know. No, he said, I must go so that I can send my spirit to be with you. And so in my understanding of scripture, if he must go so that he can send his spirit, that tells me that you and I, if we're going to be effective in our walk with Christ, if we're going to be effective in our ministry, we have to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Luke emphasizes the role of the Holy Spirit in the mission of Jesus. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 35, 322, 41, 14, 18. You can go on. The book of Acts focuses on the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church, fulfilling the commission of the church. It depends on the power of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, it says this, and you can put this up on the screen. Oh, it's already up there, okay. He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. In other words, he's saying, don't meddle with what I am taking care of. Don't worry about the times. Don't worry about the seasons. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria until the ends of the earth. Amen? You see, power, I've come to realize, can be unleashed or power can be harnessed. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, the energy in 10 gallons of gasoline can be released explosively with the light of a match. You know? You know what I'm talking about? My brother and I used to play with gasoline. We were dumb. Just saying. Yeah. We'd go out to Grandpa's house, because he had a lot of, lot of room, and we would sneak into Grandpa's garage. My grandfather was a mechanic, so he had all kinds of... But we'd sneak into his garage, and we'd get a little can of gasoline, the one that he used in, the, uh, in, in his tractor or mower or whatever... And my brother and I, we would go out and we'd find some wood and we'd build up some wood and we'd dump that stuff on. And then we'd get, our, we'd get matches and we'd go. No matter how many times it blew back in our face, I have had my eyebrows singed many times. We still do it again. 
You take gasoline, you throw a match on it, and guess what's going to happen? There's going to be an explosion, all right? Or on the other end of the spectrum, you can take gasoline and you can channel it through a car engine and you can use that vehicle to transport a person hundreds of miles. You see the difference? You see what I'm talking about? I'm talking about how power can be unleashed or it can be harnessed. You see, the Holy Spirit works in both ways in your life. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit exploded on the scene. Thousands were affected by one burst of God's power. But in the Spirit, we also see it work through the church, through worship, through fellowship, through serving, through loving. And it becomes a lasting power that transforms generations. You see, folks, if we're going to make any kind of difference in the world that we live in, if we're going to see any kind of world turned upside down for Christ through what we do, we must first understand that nothing happens without the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. And folks, today, each one of us should be seeking. You know, the Holy Spirit, I always describe the Holy Spirit, you know, it's kind of like receiving a cell phone, okay? I'm not sure if Jesus is happy with me using this illustration. Really, Steve, a cell phone? I hear him in my head sometimes, okay? But I think about a cell phone. You know, we got these smartphones today, and I tell you this all the time, but, you know, uh, smartphones, these smartphones, you can do everything with them today. I mean, can, I mean, you can watch movies. You can do everything, okay? Or you can just stick it in your pocket and do nothing, all right? You see, at salvation, if you have professed and made a commitment to Jesus Christ, if you have received him into your heart, into your life, Scripture tells us that you have received the gift of the Spirit. Amen? Now the question is, what have we done with it? Have we taken the Holy Spirit and shoved it in our back pocket and we're not using it? Or are we operating, praying, seeking the guidance of the Holy Spirit in our lives, transforming us to be the men and women of God that he has called us to be. Folks, we have to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. If we don't, we are not effectively living out the mission of God. Amen? Now, I could preach all day on just the Holy Spirit, but I'm not going to because i got three other points I want to get to you, and I want to get you out of here by one or two. Uh, so, for those first-time guests today, I'm joking. Wanted to let you know that. So it's number one. How do we know if we're effective? We're operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. The second thing that is a determination of whether we're being effective or whether we're effectively operating in the mission of God is do we understand 
who we are in Jesus Christ. So number one, we need to be operating in the Spirit. The second thing that we need to do is we need to understand who we are in Jesus Christ. And and to put it as simple as I can, I want you to go to Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, okay? Philippians chapter 1, this is Paul talking to the church in Philippi. He sent them a letter. And, I, you know, uh, very difficult to preach on first uh, verses in, in, in letters of Paul because they don't really say anything other than, hey, I'm Paul, <laughs> you know? Uh, but this one here, I want you to listen. He says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, he writes, and I want you to catch this, he writes to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. Well, pastor, why are you using that passage of Scripture? What does that have to do? How does that passage of Scripture help us to understand who we are in Christ? As you read 1 Corinthians, Corinthians, as you read Philippians chapter 1, Paul is addressing the church in Philippi. And I want you to simply notice how he begins the letter to the church. He says to all the saints in Christ. He doesn't say to the Philippians. He could have addressed this. He could have said, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all of the Philippians who are in Philippi. But he doesn't say that, does he? He doesn't say to the church, folks. He doesn't say to my buddies and pals. He doesn't say to my favorite people. He says to all the saints in Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to understand the detail of what he's saying there. You see, what he does is he uses a word here. It's a Greek word, and it's the word hagios, H-A-G-I-O-S. And that word means saint in the noun. But it also means in the adjective, for those of you who are trying to figure out if you remember anything about English, okay, I'm not 100% sure what it means, uh, an adjective is either, because I was not real good at it, but the term means holy, okay? So listen to this. He's saying here, he's saying to them, to all of the holy people, in Christ Jesus, who are in Philippi. Now, this word that he uses here for saints, hagios, okay? The other thing that I want you to grab a hold of is that it's actually, the word translated in Hebrews is kodes, okay? Q-O-D-E-S, And what that word means in Hebrew is it means separate or apart, all right? So in other words, what this word that he's using here when he addresses the church in Philippi, it is the words meaning belonging to a different order, all right? Now, just, just walk with me for a second here, okay? So I want you to travel for a second now all the way back to the Old Testament, all right? Those are the first books in the Bible, in the early part, okay? 
And I want you to travel all the way back to Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3. And I want you to put that, oh, you already did. Okay, and on, on this passage of Scripture, you know this passage of Scripture very well. It says, and one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Let me translate that. Kodes, Kodes, Kodes is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Saints, saint, saint, holy, holy, holy. It's the same word, the same word that is used in Isaiah 6.3 to describe the Lord and Savior. It's the same word Paul uses addressing followers of Jesus Christ in Philippi. Now, there's a lot more that could be said about this, but for today, as we are, are walking through this, uh, I wanna, I wanna, today I want to focus on, on what this means to our mission. You see, the first thing that we need to understand and to realize is that as we operate in the power of the Holy Spirit, He gives us what we need to be separate, to be different, to be holy in his name. You see, the people in Philippi, they were Philippians by nature according to the world, but by grace and in the sight of God, they were saints. Are you grabbing that? You see, they weren't saints on their own being. I want, to, I want to point this out because go back one verse. Go back one verse to Philippians. Saints in... Go ahead and say it for me. Christ Jesus. You see their holiness, their saintliness, it's not found in what they have been doing. It's not found in what they are doing on their own. Paul calls them saints in Christ Jesus. You see, through Christ Jesus, they are holy. They are set apart. They are living in a different realm, doing the work of their Lord and Savior. And that is, folks, can I just say this out loud today? That is who we are in Christ Jesus. Through Christ Jesus, we are called to be holy, set apart, living in a different realm, doing the work of our Lord and Savior. And so this morning, for us to understand the mission that God is calling on us to give and to live, we have to first understand that we operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? But through Christ Jesus, we have been set apart. We have been made holy to do his work. Not because of our ability, but because him living in us. And what that says to us 
is that says to us when he calls us to mission, he gives us the power, he gives us the strength, he gives us what we need to accomplish what he calls us to do. We're not walking in our own strength and power. We are walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. When God calls you to do something, when God speaks into your life, when God says you need to do something, he's not asking you to do it with your own strength. He's asking you to move through his strength. And so guess what? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Sorry for spitting on you. Amen? I, listen, can I just say something? Can I get personal for a second? Not that personal. I get tired of hearing people in the church say, oh, I could never do that. Oh, I, I, don't, have, I don't have the gift or the ability or the talent to do that. Oh, man, no, I'm not good enough for, can I tell you something, folks? Through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit, in obedience to Christ Jesus, through Him, there is nothing you can't do when He's in it. You see, folks, if we're going to turn the world upside down, for Christ, if we're going to make a difference, if we're going to live on mission as the people of Christ, as the followers of Jesus, we have to first understand that we have been given the power of the Holy Spirit and we operate in the Spirit, not in our human flesh, not in our ability. And when we operate in the power of the Holy Spirit, we have been given what is needed to accomplish what He wants to accomplish in our lives. Amen? you believe me? We're going to move on. You see, through Christ Jesus, we are called to be holy, set apart, living in a different realm, doing work for our Lord and Savior. That leads me to the third thing that is the evidence of our effectiveness, whether we're being effective or not, and that is, do we understand what our mission is? You see, we have to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to understand who we are. We are a holy people chosen by God to do His work. When you have surrendered your life to him, he comes into your life, your life. He gives you the power that you need. He does what he needs to do in you. It's not because of what you do. It's because of what he is doing in you. And now we need to understand what the mission is itself. Do we know what our mission is? Jesus chose a text with three references to proclamation in Isaiah. The Holy Spirit anoints the church, he says, to preach the good news. All right? You see, when the early church faced opposition, they prayed for the Lord to enable their son, them to speak his words with great boldness. Acts chapter uh, 4, verse 29. 
boldly proclaim because of what the good news can bring to the poor, to the prisoner, to the blind, and to the oppressed. Go back to that Isaiah passage scripture. Scroll back just a few. You just keep going. No, 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 not Isaiah. I'm sorry, to, to Luke when he's, when he's quoting Isaiah. Go back, go back, go back. Come on, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. Okay, right there. No, go back one more. There it is. No, no, you went too far. Back. No, go back one more. There we go. Nope, one more. Go the other way. Stop. No, one more. He's going to kill me later. In the name of Jesus, by the way. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. In other words, those who are in bondage, to set them free. You see, the mission of the church, our mission is to boldly proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ that brings food to the poor. It brings healing to the sick. It brings freedom to those who are oppressed. You see, the Lord promises in the good news, he promises freedom, sight, and he, he, promises, he promises us a, a releasing so folks, today, what we've got to understand is what does it mean or what is the good news that we are to be proclaiming? And the good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a kingdom gospel. It is a gospel that says this, the kingdom of God has come through Jesus of Nazareth. He is Christ our king, God's one and only son. He died on the cross for our sins. He was buried and he was resurrected on the third day according to the scriptures. In his great love and by his amazing grace, our God and Father saves everyone who repents of their sin, believes the gospel, and follows Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. When King Jesus returns on the last day, the great day of judgment, everyone who followed him will enter the eternal kingdom of God. That is the gospel message that we are to proclaim. That is the mission that we have been given. The second part of that mission, almost choked there. <laughs> Get all excited. You remember that song, get all excited, go tell everybody that. I dated myself. Some of you out there going, yeah. Some of you are looking at me like, oh, he needs to stop singing. No. Not only are we to proclaim the good news, but we are also to live. I know you've never heard me say this before, so I'm going to say it today. We are to live as disciples of Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20, my favorite passage says, And Jesus came and said to them, 
All authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. You see, folks, if we're going to turn the world upside down, we have to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to understand who we are in Christ, and we need to understand the mission that he has called us to. And that leads me to the final thing that I want to share with you this morning, and that is we need to understand who our target audience is. the lost. Did you hear me? Our target audience is the lost. You see, the categories of need described in this mission statement describe more than just spiritual realities, physical, social, emotional ills that exist in this world that the church must not ignore. We are not called to reach a certain generation we are not called to reach a certain status of people we are not called to reach a certain gender of people we are called to take the gospel of jesus christ to all those who are lost to all those who do not know christ as their lord and savior you see, I believe one of the things that makes Lifebrook Church such an incredible church is because as you look out across this crowd today, you see a massive amount of diversity. Not as much diversity as I'd love to see at some point. But you see young and old. You see those who maybe have a lot and those who maybe don't have a lot. You see people in here who come from all kinds of backgrounds. You have people in here who have been in the church their whole life. You have people in here who've only been in the church for a short period of time. You have short people. You have really tall people. I became aware of that yesterday. You see, we're not about determining a certain group of people that we're going to go for. We're about the lost. You see, much to the dislike of many hometown crowds, Jesus also includes, as we see in Scripture, the Gentiles and everyone else. You see, the Jewish people of Jesus' time, at that point, they were a little leery about going outside of their realm. And Jesus said, it's not just for you, it's for all. You see, the church's mission extends to every person and every need. Amen? Now I'm going to get a little bit on the soapbox that I got on earlier this week. <coughs> Folks, that does not mean that we as the church are to become political, 
social, or even economical activists. When the church becomes focused on any of these things, the gospel becomes polluted. Did you hear that? You see, what happens is when we focus on those things, they create a false gospel, a gospel that proclaims prosperity. All right, I'm not here to promise you that if you, if you put a, a tithe in the offering plate that you're going to be blessed beyond measure with wealth. Okay? You're never going to hear me try to get money for a jet. Okay? Maybe a little prop. No. You're never going to, there's never, there's never going to be a golden pot sitting up here for you to sow into the life of your pastor. I went to a church like that one time. I was kind of, I was kind of like, yeah, like, I want a pot like that. (laughs) You're not going to hear a prosperity gospel. You see, when these things get involved, when, when, when we allow the things of the world to get involved, it, it takes the gospel and it distorts it. It makes it into a gospel that proclaims prosperity. Or it turns it into a gospel uh, that, that offers forgiveness without accountability. Folks, listen. Listen, when you come down to the altar and you profess Christ as Lord and Savior and you ask Him to forgive you of your sins and you believe He is going to forgive you, that is not the finish line. That is the beginning of the race. All right? You don't come down, get saved, and then just wait to go to heaven with your ticket. After you give Christ your life and you surrender to him, then there's work for you to do for the kingdom. Amen? You see, and I'm going to skip over some stuff because I want to get us out of here. What time is it? Oh, it's 11.41. i got another hour. We reach the lost by proclaiming the kingdom gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is a gospel that begins with the kingdom and Christ as Lord and Savior. It is a gospel that proclaims the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is a gospel that not only calls us to repent and believe, but to follow also. It is a gospel that challenges us to live our lives in such a way as though Christ were living our lives for us. It is a gospel that says to the lost, you can be found. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Mark 8, 34. Jesus proclaimed a gospel that calls us to live and to love like him. We are called to be disciples who model our lives after Christ. Jesus said, yes, take care of the widows and the orphans. In Matthew 25, he challenges us to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked he says to take care of the sick the church that reaches the lost is a church that has given their allegiance to Jesus Christ the king of kings and lord of lords and we live in his kingdom not 
ours. And folks, listen. Our primary call is not to seek justice. We are called to obedience. Jesus said this in John 18, verse 36. My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is not of this realm. You see, this morning, as the team comes up and we close this service, we are not called as the church to bring transformation to this world or to this community or to this city. We are called, catch this now, we are called to proclaim the gospel that brings transformation to the heart and the soul of those who are lost. We are called to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost and, yes, dare I say, dying world. And let me tell you something this morning. When the lost are found, when the transformation takes place in the hearts and the souls of lives, this community will be transformed. This state will be transformed. This nation will be transformed. But not because of what we do, but because of what Christ has done through us. You see, that is a world turned upside down. Let us be the kind of church that reaches out to every person, every family, and makes a difference, not in the name of Lifebrook, but in the name of Jesus Christ. Will you join me in that this morning, folks? Amen? Will you join me in that this morning, folks? Amen. Let's all stand. God, we love you so much, and I am so thankful to be a part of your family today. Lord, I am thankful that you love us with all of our flaws. You love us with all of our imperfections. Lord, you love us in spite of ourselves. And so this morning I pray that we would be a part of the revolution, a part of a revival that takes place that brings light to darkness, that brings wholeness to that which is broken, that brings healing to the sick, brings freedom to the oppressed. And Lord, helps those who are lost be found. Lord, I pray this in your most precious name. And everybody says, Amen.